It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Sunday morning. A little bit earlier than usual, but it's hard to sleep after a big win. I'm not even really kidding. I mean, you get a good night's sleep after a big win like that on what was a beautiful March day, and you wake up with an extra spring in your step. At least I do. And that was the rare win. And I say rare, maybe not as rare in the Brad Underwood era, but that rare win that just makes your whole day better. Right, It really does for a variety of reasons, but I was really reflecting yesterday on why this dominance, if you want to call it that, you can, why this dominance over Wisconsin has been so remarkable. And it occurred to me that over four years ago, so this is early January 2020, I was still doing the radio show. And is that right? No, I was texting with Lon. I'm trying to think here. Was it 2020? Yeah, it would have been. And we'd long joke that why even bother watching the Illinois-Wisconsin games? Why even do it, right? So that was something that Lon and I over the course of like a decade at 93.5 talked about because Illinois did not win there. They had won there, I believe, with Bruce Weber and that team in 2010. And that was right after they had beaten Michigan State in that ESPN game day. This team, mind you, I don't even think made the tournament, but they had a big two-game stretch there in late January. But then you go a decade without winning there. And those games weren't close. I mean, I even recall back in 2013 or 14, maybe, maybe it was 2012, Mike Shaw had maybe seven, eight rebounds in a game at Wisconsin. And that was the takeaway after they blew the doors off us by like 20 points. So that was a decade's worth of futility at a place where not many teams had success, admittedly, but you were going up there and getting your bell rung every single time. And it was especially frustrating because the decade prior, from let's say 2000 to 2010, Wisconsin was good, but you were better. You were up at the top echelon with Michigan State, and Wisconsin was that perennial top four team, but you were perennial top two or three. You felt like in the pecking order of the Big Ten, you were better than Wisconsin. And then an entire decade happened that erased that. Wisconsin in the 2010s was fantastic. We're talking, I think, two Final Four appearances, a runner-up with the Frank Kaminsky teams. And then Bo Ryan leaves, and then it's Greg Gard. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great. You know, come on, clearly this is not going to work. Bo Ryan is a special Hall of Fame caliber coach, and then he just kind of handpicked his guy in a fairly shrewd manner on his way out the door. No way this is going to work. And what do you know? Greg Gard keeps getting top four Big Ten finishes, and he gets, I think, a a share of a title or two, gag me with a spoon. I can't do this anymore. And I have long talked about, as many of you know, my just vitriol towards the happiness and the joy that you find in Wisconsin. I love Madison. Great, great city. Great college town. Wisconsin fans are all, on the whole, nice people. I know I know a good handful of them. Yet, it is their joy and the absence of my joy for a good part of a decade that really wore on me. More than any other Big Ten team. More than Iowa. More than Indiana. No, my, my ire was probably more directed at Wisconsin. Even my wife was like, why are you so into them losing? Like back in the end of January when they lost in overtime to Nebraska. And I stayed up for that entire game and I'm just... Happy as a school kid, just, oh my God, I can't believe Wisconsin lost. Maybe they're actually going to fall back down to earth. Well, guess what? They are. But this isn't so much about Wisconsin and them falling back down to earth and being just okay, which is what they probably will be under Greg Gard. 
This is about Illinois winning four straight games at the Kohl Center. So in January 2020, Lon and I jokingly text with each other, not going to watch it, not going to watch it. And sure enough, didn't even watch the first half of that game in 2020. And I think Illinois was trailing for most of that and actually most of the second half as well. But then it gets to the second half and I see Illinois within a few possessions and I figure, what the hell, let's just let's watch them. They've been a little bit better this year. This was really before we knew that Io was going to be special and that team was going to be a surefire tournament team. It was all kind of in limbo at that point. And from that game forward, Io hits the three to go up four, a, a dagger three late at Cole Center. You won four straight there and I believe seven in a row against Wisconsin. And none of these games, other than that first one, have been particularly close. The second of four straight wins at Cole Center was when you were the one seed in 2021. Iowa was not playing yet. That was another weekend game, I think a Saturday afternoon, before you went on the road and spoke Michigan. And you were up 15 or something, and then Trice just went off. He had something like, I don't know, he scored, I think, 15 points in the last three minutes, something ridiculous to keep it within arm's length. Just very annoying, total Wisconsin move, right? Last year, you won at Cole Center with that team. Matthew Meyer, I think, had a good game. Jaden Epps, I think, was lighting it up a bit as well. So you won at Wisconsin last year, and that was not a good Wisconsin team. I don't know if this is a good Wisconsin team. They aren't bad, though. And they were desperate. They needed a win to start feeling good about themselves again, to maybe solidify like a six seed. But the tailspin continues, and you were part of that. I thought that yesterday's performance on the whole was one of the more impressive performances of the year, given those circumstances, given the emotional tenor of the Cole Center with the Howard Moore stuff beforehand, which is just one of the worst stories you can imagine. Like it's, oh God, (laughs) really rough stuff, right? And then you think, well, when you switch back to the basketball perspective, you think this may not be the day or time to get this win because there's just a lot of things probably pulling in Wisconsin's favor, a game they got to have and all the emotional and and all the emotional and mental weight is behind them. Well, actually it might've been more of an albatross for them because when Illinois was able to flip that early Wisconsin lead, which got to as many as nine and our offense looked fairly lifeless. Then we flipped it. And by the time it was tied a few minutes later, at that point four, did you really have much doubt that Illinois was going to win? Yeah, there were, there were frustrating moments. Wisconsin would go up seven, let's say. Or sorry, Illinois would go up seven. This happened a few times. And then Wisconsin would get it back to within two. At one point, they tied it or even took a one-point lead in the second half. And yet, every time you needed a basket, Marcus Damask. Terrence had a great game, too. It's funny when 23 points, you're like, eh. Let's talk about the 31-point score. Marcus Damask in the homecoming. That's the big story, which we'll talk about after the sponsors. But... Yeah, to me, yesterday's game was the most impressive probably since the Michigan State win at home. You haven't had an opportunity for a true quad one win that feels like a quad one win in some time. At Maryland, for example, didn't quite feel it, though I think it technically is a quad one win. This is much more boom, solid quad one win. It's not going anywhere. Put in your back pocket. Now you are five and five against quad one teams. You have no bad losses, according to the net rankings and the quads. You have two more quad one opportunities this week with Purdue and Iowa. And I'd said last week, and we did a poll, 
what record do you think Illinois will have in the last three? And over 50% said two and one. I agreed with that. But part of agreeing with that was, I think we need the Wisconsin game. Because I actually think that's the easiest of the three. And watching Iowa yesterday at Northwestern, yeah, I think that at Wisconsin was the easiest of the three. Purdue, clearly the toughest. Even though it's at home, you watch them last night, they took Michigan State's best shot, didn't matter. Brushed them off like a pest, like a fly. Get out of here. So this sets up nicely for Illinois, though, because you entered March as a solid four seed. And there was an opportunity to maybe work your way into three seed conversation, and that continues this week. The Wisconsin game didn't move you up a seed line, but what it sure didn't do is move you down one. I think, if anything, it solidified that four seed as probably worst-case scenario, barring just a really bad last few games for Illinois, where they lose the next two, they lose the opening round the Big Ten tournament. Um, But do you really foresee that happening? We can talk about best-case and worst-case scenarios, but this team, for all their defensive deficiencies at the moment, which I thought was a little bit better yesterday, for all of those, they have closed three straight games in fairly impressive fashion. The Penn State game was an alarm bell. Oh my God. Just like Michigan State, they choked. Just like Nebraska, they choked. Well, whatever was ailing them in late late game situations in those games that cost you a couple wins, that hasn't ailed them in three straight games. And is it the best competition? No, not necessarily, but you can't really control your schedule. You're getting these teams' best shot, but you're giving your best shot back, especially when it counts in the last 10 minutes. And I think Illinois' defense in the closing 10 minutes of each of those three games is something that takes me back to the last episode of the 200 level. I'm not looking for a good defense. I'm simply looking for good enough. Yesterday, defense, good enough. Marcus Damask, superstar. And that formula can get you some wins in March. And that's when it matters the most. So let's hit the sponsors real quick and then get into Marcus Damask and his incredible performance yesterday. Before we do... A reminder, we have a live 200 level in two weeks at Poor Brothers. So if you're in the Champaign-Urbana area, come out to Poor Brothers in downtown Champaign. We're having a selection Sunday special. Now, wouldn't it be great if Illinois were in the Big Ten tournament final? If that's the case, we'll just camp out there all afternoon. We'll do a second half pod. We'll do a selection Sunday pod. We'll double it up. That would be a lot of fun. But regardless, we will be there for the bracket unveiling at 5 p.m. two Sundays from now. That's Sunday, March 17th. Champagne Showers, the podcast network we're affiliated with, they have a bracket challenge that if you come out, we will have blank brackets for you to fill out as you go. There will also be a QR code for the online bracket, which is where you get all the prizes. And they do have some prizes lined up for this. So it's going to be a fun day at one of the best spots in Champaign-Urbana. Excited to partner up with Poor Brothers Craft Tap Room in downtown Champaign. This will be our third live show there. Got to thank DP Doe. I'm on at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Order a line at dpdoe.com when you get a custom zone with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone online at dpdoe.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy and he can be your guy as well. One thing I've talked about before, on the podcast is this free service that we get from State Farm, which is called Ting. That's T-I-N-G. And what this does is monitor your home's electrical system, which gives you some peace of mind because fire damage is one of the biggest 
causes or reasons for loss of property. And State Farm, just another one of the many things that they offer that you don't get from a lot of other insurance companies. That is Brian Hansen, your State Farm agent at brianismyguy.com. Com. Also got to thank Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend at 217-841-4728. And they got this really cool spring deal going on right now where you can get $1,000 off any Bradford white water heater, Renai tankless water heater, or a Bosch mini split unit when you buy a Lennox home comfort system. No gimmicks, no hidden fees, just $1,000 in savings when you call Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Plus, they got 0% financing options for qualifying applicants. Let them solve your home's comfort needs at 217-841-4728. That's 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC. I'm on owenbuildersllc.com. Check out a gallery of their excellent work. We're talking home additions, patios, and decks. It's that time of year to get going with your next home project. And these guys are pros at what they do. And in addition to that, their communication is what sets them apart from other contractors, which if you've had work done in your home before, you know that can get frustrating, right? Not with Luke and his staff at Owen Builders LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. All right, if you don't mind, it's coffee break time. Here we go. Um, yesterday was a great day all around. I mean, a beautiful spring day. I woke up and I joked with my friends in our text thread that if Illinois wins, I'm going out and I'm buying an Xbox. Now, you might be thinking, what, what does that have to do with anything? The last video game console I had was a PS3, and that went kerplunk a few years ago. So right now, the most modern gaming console that I had in my home was a Nintendo 64. Still the best ever, mind you. But in terms of gaming, I haven't done it in a while, and I figured, what the hell? I'm going to splurge. I'm finishing up my master's degree. I'm going to get an Xbox Series S which is all digital, if Illinois beats Wisconsin. Well, the morning goes on, and I had breakfast, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know what? Let's just go get it right now. I'm going to basically guarantee victory, Dana Howard style, by buying this Xbox unit ahead of time. That's what I did. Set it all up. So after the Illinois game, was able to kind of get into, uh, what, Lego Star Wars, which is pretty cool. They have remastered GoldenEye from Nintendo 64, so I was able to play that a little bit. Getting the sports games as well. Got FIFA. I'll get Madden, though Madden's kind of fallen off a cliff from the times I've played it. And a game called Dead by Daylight, where it's basically you're avoiding capture from famous murderers like Michael Myers and the alien from Alien. Fun game, a little bit creepy when you play it at night. But anyways, I'm finally in the new gaming generation. So that was my day. It was a beautiful Saturday. Bought an Xbox, watched Illinois win, smoked a cigar, drank an old-fashioned, hung with the dog, because Kara's in Michigan visiting her family. Just a great day to batch it in Champaign-Urbana. And that's why, you know, when March hits and the sun's a little warmer and you mix that with a basketball team that you think has a chance to do something, it really does give you a little pep in your step. And... I had said so frustratingly after the Penn State game, the Iowa and the Minnesota, those games aren't really going to get you back. And what I meant by that is that kind of disappointment, those two games were going to turn you around and be like gung-ho, 100% back on board. And I will caution any Illini fan that as exciting as yesterday was, we know there are flaws. And I am trying to remind myself, despite the spectacular play 
on offense, you still got this gauntlet coming up. And when games get tight, do I trust this team? I do, on the whole, trust them more than I did a week and a half ago, for sure. But you know that ability to blow games late or not get enough stops, that that still remains. Nonetheless, though, there is something different about hitting March and getting that first win in the month of March that just, I don't know if we want to call it momentum or what, but it does feel good. And certainly better than the alternative if Tyler Wall leads Wisconsin to victory yesterday. I think the most impressive thing about yesterday's performance, if we're focusing on Marcus Damask, which we probably should, that was, and why we called this episode cold-blooded, that was a cold-blooded performance from a guy that was Mr. Basketball in Wisconsin. Did not get recruited by Wisconsin. Goes down to SIU, 1,600 points in his career at SIU, and then comes to Illinois and is having a first-team All-Big Ten level season. I don't know if he's going to get on the first team. He should. And if you wanted to make an argument that he should maybe get in over Terrence Shannon because the game's missed, I I guess you could. It might just be a matter of can they both fit on the first-team All-Big Ten. One of them for sure will be on there, but the other one would certainly be second-team. Marcus Damask, when he committed to Illinois, and Derek Piper had pointed this out, I think Evan Maya is a college basketball analyst who had a transfer portal list about, you know, from one to 500, you know, the most impactful transfers on the market. And Marcus Damask was somewhere in the 150s. Now, that was missing the um, evaluation by quite a bit, but if you were to ask me back when we got Marcus Damask to sign, I thought, well, that's a nice piece. I texted Lon, SIU grad, all about the dogs, and he said, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good player, nice addition. But there was nothing to indicate that this guy was going to come into the Big Ten and be a star with the ability to play like a superstar. And we are at a point now where an off night for Marcus Damask is 15 points. That's like a quiet night for Marcus Damask. You know, yeah, there's been some turnovers that they just seem to happen at inopportune times or they, they are really glaring, but I checked this out on Ken Palm. By far, he has the most minutes on, on this Illinois team. He's playing 84% of the minutes this year. He's running point, which is not his natural position. His turnover rate is still pretty darn low. We're talking like one, maybe two turnovers per game. His offensive efficiency is through the roof. You could not ask for more from Marcus Damask. And if I were to go back and redo some of these podcasts, then I I would give him a lot more props throughout the year. I mean, we've been talking about him, but this is a pretty crazy story what he's been doing compared to the expectations coming in. Oh, well, that's a nice transfer, right? To, oh, he's a star. That is a big win for Brad Underwood as far as evaluation and finding out, okay, what guy would come in here and work? And that's a big one for Marcus Damask, who had a few choices. I'm pretty sure that he could have taken a trip to Wisconsin after Illinois, but we locked it down pretty quick, to our credit. And the fact that between him and the coaching staff, they have found this booty ball skill of his, which I'm sure he had on display at Southern Illinois, but to this extent, I I don't know. I wasn't watching any of those games. But he has become a booty ball expert. And you can't stop him. Tyler Wall should have been a great matchup, right? He's got an inch or two, I believe, on Marcus Damask, a little bit more size. If you go back and watch some of those highlights from yesterday, there was one in particular I saw this morning from, I think, Hoop Informatics. 
And Tyler Wall, after defending his butt off, Marcus Damas keeps his pivot foot. He's going left. He's going right. He's basically doing a tipsy-turvy all around. He gets a little fade away in the baseline. Tyler Wall, you could see his body go, ugh, really? He did everything he could, and it didn't matter. That's how good Marcus Damasco was yesterday. And it got to a point when, in the last five minutes, Wisconsin would hit a shot, and then it's, oh, it's a five-point game again. Oh, boy. Give it to Marcus. Let him cook. Now, I do got to say, from my perspective, or have to say, got to say, whatever. It's When you're doing a solo podcast, sometimes you stumble over grammar. I don't think Wisconsin really had the best game plan. I don't understand how, when you have a Chucky Hepburn, you aren't having him guard Damask full court and just wear him out throughout the game, which that's what happened at Michigan State. A.J. Hogard is on him like a fly on crap all game long, and then at the end, Marcus just didn't have it anymore, right? Understandably, and Brad Underwood could have figured something out that game, but that was a chess match between Izzo and Underwood. Izzo won that one. Yesterday, it's like Greg Gard just said, nah, we're just going to do what we do at Wisconsin. Which, if you're a Wisconsin fan, how frustrated are you right now with Greg Gard? I mean, just go to Twitter, type in Greg Gard in the search engine, and read the replies. Wow. They don't like him anymore. I wouldn't like him either. Well, I don't like him anyway, but I wouldn't like any Wisconsin coach. And I just don't understand why they were letting Marcus continue to get to his spot with really no... No resistance. We're just going to go one-on-one. It's going to be Tyler Wall, who got cooked yesterday. And Tyler Wall was cooking himself. But if we did a plus-minus on what he did offensively and what he gave up defensively, a net negative for Tyler Wall, as good as he played. And that tells you just how good Marcus Damask was. Off the charts. The 31 points, that's impressive. But the efficiency with which he got them, even more so. The fact that at least 10, 12 of those were in the last five or six minutes to close that game out. There was a clip from, and I, I forget if it was Bob Zupke or one of the other really good Twitter accounts, so I feel bad I'm not giving them credit, but there was a video of Marcus goes to the line, we're up nine late, he makes both free throws, of course, but you see Harmon who's pumped, and I thought Harmon had some good minutes in the second half. And you see Harmon really pumped, and he goes up and he says something to Marcus Damask, and this Twitter person, whether it was at Bob Zupke or someone else, said, I, I can imagine Harmon telling them, let's, let's just shut these honkies up or something like that, and, or these crackers up. I know it can be a little bit tricky to talk about the racial component with Wisconsin basketball and why they and Iowa and Indiana have always, and Northwestern have always annoyed us as Illini fans. But it's, let's just get it out there. The whiteness that is Wisconsin basketball can get a little bit annoying. So it was just a funny tweet to see, here's Marcus Damask. And I made this joke with my friends yesterday. They're like, well, Marcus is white too. And this line from Space Jam where Bill Murray is golfing with Charles Barkley and Larry Bird. And he says something like, um, someone says, Larry's white. And Bill Murray says, no, he's clear. Marcus is clear. <laughs> and again, we're tiptoeing around the racial thing, but I, I know for a fact that there were so many people watching that game yesterday and so many people that have watched Wisconsin basketball for their lifetimes, but really the last 15, 20 years when they've been really good. 25 years now, they've been pretty darn good. And that it can drive you nuts because you're like, 
how does this work? How are the Tyler Walls and the Stephen Crowls and the Brad Davisons and then this cavalcade of like they got a guy named Noah Winter? Sure. Curtis Gilmore or something. Yeah, fine. Whatever. Just keep trotting them out. It's the same nameless guys from Wapuka, Wisconsin. Ugh. And I love the state of Wisconsin, but it's annoying. It's annoying. We can call it what it is. But just thought that was funny to see. Here's Marcus Damask. You know, like white kid from Wisconsin, but the kid can ball. And the cold-blooded title that we have to this podcast, that was what was so cool about yesterday. He has, I think by his count, there were a couple hundred people there in support of him, many of whom I'm sure from Wisconsin that are Wisconsin fans themselves. He could have went into that game yesterday super hot. He could have. Too pumped up, too high, too energized. And maybe we saw that early because if you recall the first few possessions for Illinois, it was very Marcus-based and he was getting contested pretty well. I think he missed his first two or three shots. Wisconsin goes on a 10-0, 12-0 run. They take that nine-point lead and then who's the guy that gets you back? Mostly Marcus. Who's the guy that closes the game out? Mostly Marcus. And I could only imagine if you were a Wisconsin fan watching that game yesterday. And you knew that this kid was good because the numbers bore that out, but maybe you haven't watched him up close. And then he does that to you over and over and over again. Talk about deflating. And when you're on the other side of that and you're watching your guy close out your dreaded rivals, which to me, Wisconsin basketball, ugh. When you're seeing your guy do that, oh man. I'm out in the garage yesterday and to keep cool and not get too into the I hate Wisconsin mode, which I can easily get into. During timeouts, I'm fiddling about the yard, cleaning up dog poop, picking up sticks, anything to just not be too emotionally hot watching that game. So I got the TV on in the garage and I'm popping in after every timeout. And there were multiple times in that second half where I, by myself, go, yeah. You know, I got this little table out there. I kind of pound it like, yeah, because of what Marcus was doing. It was really, God, it gets, it gets you pumped up as a fan to see your guy do that. So a spectacular performance from him. And if we were to say the best individual performance by an Illini since, well, you don't have to go very far because Terrence has been averaging like 27, 28 points in the last five or six games. Marcus is probably averaging around 20 quietly almost this leads me to the other guy because Terrence was great yesterday you you know what Terrence brings you he is a freight train pretty unstoppable in transition and it's good to see in the half court he's attacking again as well to me Coleman Hawkins had a sneaky quiet good game as well and there was the technical that they called off because of that little thing with Blackwell from Wisconsin which boy oh boy is that not Wisconsin like just complete overreaction from Blackwell. And it's like you little punks with your stupid un- cheap ass under armor uniforms. And you're just hope Everything's hokey. God, I need to watch it. Just everything's hokey about Wisconsin. It just drives me up the wall. I thought Coleman played very well yesterday. And also Quincy Guerrier, who early on after he threw it out of bounds to Damask and you could see visibly how frustrated Damask was I thought Quincy had a pretty good game after that. He got some rebounds. He hit a three or two. 
he missed two free throws late, but then he made the next two, which were big because that put you up five after a timeout with about 3.30 to go. It was good to see Quincy engaged after the lowest point for him in that game, throwing it out of bounds for no particular reason. That was just a silly play, and then he was pretty engaged after that. So that was encouraging. Danger, not his best self, but good to see him still getting some tick and keeping him in it. And as I mentioned, I thought Harmon gave you good minutes as well. Luke Goody, not going to fit in with maybe a whole lot of what you're doing now. You know, now that you're getting into crunch time, and you already know he can score plenty. You don't really need him that much. I mean, Damascus is starting to hit threes at a really high clip in a way that he wasn't earlier this year. So Luke will get spot minutes, and when he comes out, I hope he's chucking because he's a really good shooter. I want him shooting, but just defensively, you can't... For a team that's already defensively challenged, it just gets precipitously worse with him out there. I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anybody. I mean, Ty was... Fine. You know, I I think it was encouraging, though, to see him in late game lineups that they still do trust him, that he's still doing enough defensively. I think he was on Hepburn for most of the game. And not that Hepburn's someone that's going to go out there and cook you for 20 points. He has a couple times this year, but that's pretty rare. But it did feel like Wisconsin was never fully comfortable in offense. And I'd like to think that Ty being disruptive on Hepburn had a little something to do with that. Terrence defensively against AJ Store. I thought was pretty good. AJ got a few things, but AJ is a chucker. He just chucks things up, and there was a three late that just indicated he's just he's out of ideas right now. He doesn't have a whole lot going on. Klesman didn't kill you. I was worried that Klesman, who's had a few games this year where he just goes off. Nope. Steven Crowell, boneheaded plays. He's not out there for a whole lot because he keeps fouling. That's fine because he can be good. And Tyler Wall got his, and you know this is a, t- a kid who has never beaten Illinois. Same as Stephen Crowell. Same with Hepburn. I mean, I guess any of them, right? But these seniors, they, uh, they're they going to go away winless unless they get another crack in the Big Ten tournament. And even then, I think Illinois is going to beat them in the Big Ten tournament. It's just not a good matchup for Wisconsin. It's a good matchup for us. I think the difference between a Wisconsin and a Minnesota is that Minnesota, and we saw it yesterday, after they went down big to Penn State, and then they went off. And they closed that game looking a lot like they did at State Farm Center, where, man, when Minnesota's going, they're pretty impressive. And they would be a sneaky team if they, they'd have to do a lot. But if they were to get into a first four in the NCAA tournament, I'd pick them to win a game because they do seem to have the pieces and they do seem to be coalescing. Keep in mind, about a month ago or three weeks ago, they were up eight in the second half at Purdue. So they look the part. Wisconsin doesn't look the part. And they got the name on the jersey. They're okay. But there's a reason they've lost this many games down the stretch and why they were just fading from what was a top 10 ranking a month ago to unranked to complete non-factor when the tournament hits. I'm not going to pick them to win a game. I guess it depends on matchups. Maybe maybe they can, but I mean, <laughs> I don't want to take too much schadenfreude in this because... I think what we're seeing with Greg Gard mirrors a lot what happened with Bruce Weber. Bruce inherits a great thing. It's really good early on. I mean, Bruce's first three years were fantastic, but he just wasn't able to maintain it, and it got really frustrating, and he felt like everything stagnated. Everything has stagnated at Wisconsin, and I'm not really sure where they're going or what they can hang their hat on. They're going to suck next year. They're going to be really bad. Fine with me. 
And hey, Illinois has got a lot to replace too. But if you ask yourself, what coach in the Big Ten are you most confident can turn a roster around? Well, we've already seen who that guy is. You know, I want to hit on Brad Underwood real quick. And I see a few people in the chat window. And uh, good morning to, oh, Danielle. What do you plan to do after you get your master's, Carp? Well, it's just a teaching thing. So I, I'm, it's basically move across the pay scale. Um, but I figured I'm going to treat myself to an Xbox. And I love it. From Jalen Gallows. Woo! Now, I don't know if that was for the Xbox or for the Illinois win. And from Andrew. Good morning, Carp. Good morning, Andrew. A beautiful Sunday from On the Mark. Who needs defense? The Illini are 22-0 when outscoring the other team this year. What a stat, Mark. Love it. They are. They are. Um, <laughs> no, I think that the post-Minnesota podcast was acceptance. This is fun, and it is fun. Kyle uh, Milnamau, who had done a Saturday morning show with me and Steve Breitweiser, the precursor to the 200 level, had texted me overnight. I still got to text him back. And saying that this is like a top five Illini team for him in terms of fun. I think more than just fun, we, we might see, depending how the year goes, for me, they might be just a top five Illini team based on what they accomplish. The Big Ten title, probably not in the cards for that. But that's okay. I mean, you know, this team, we've been circling the tournament since the start of it and since they indicated to us that they're maybe better than what we thought going into the season. But no, I, I do think that the Minnesota game was acceptance that it's going to be offensively based. And yesterday was more of a, oh, they're, they're, you know, they're figuring themselves out even more. It feels like if there is a process to be done here between now and the NCAA tournament, it is continue to maximize your offensive op- opportunities and be stingy on defense when it counts. Can they do that? I think they can. I think they can. Points per possession, that stat that is really indicative of how good or bad your defense is. Well, offensively, Illinois had 1.3 points per possession yesterday, which is phenomenal. Again, they had 1.6 against Minnesota. That's unheard of. Wisconsin had just over 1.1. That's still more than you want to be giving up. But you can live with it. And you essentially got a double-digit win on the road if Wisconsin doesn't hit those garbage time buckets. I mean, just, again, annoying. I don't think a 10-point win would have done that much for you in the net ranking. It was a road win, a quad one road win. That's going to help you no matter what. But, you know, you're up 11, then they hit a three. Some some doofus off the bat. I don't even know his name. Some other six foot nine white doofus on Wisconsin, I shouldn't name call, hits a three to make it eight points. And I just had to laugh because, of course, he did. It was his first made shot in like five games. I don't, whatever. <laughs> you won the game. They just annoy me. Uh, no, I think that offensively, we know what this team is. Defensively, if there are steps to be made, and we'll see it again Tuesday night, and another opportunity at Iowa, which is just, they are red hot right now, that you aren't going to get 40 good defensive minutes from this team. You aren't. Can you get 10? I think you can. And if you do, this team is as dangerous as almost any other in the tournament. And I don't think that's hyperbole because the offensive numbers bear that out. As Mike Latulip said last week, and I would tend to agree with this, if you're going into the tournament, it would be you're in a much better position if you were having to figure out defensive tweaks than offensive tweaks because you cannot snap your fingers and all of a sudden become a good offensive team. That doesn't work. It's either there or it isn't. And at least with defense, you would think if you've got the athletes and you've got the dudes, you can make just enough tweaks and focus in just enough more to make the stops you need to win. 
And in the last three games, you're looking at a 10-point win against Iowa, an 8-point win against Minnesota, an 8-point win against Wisconsin. And of course, your heart is beating a little faster when during these games, it sometimes feels like the other team is scoring at will. Your heart's beating faster. You're getting nervous. Oh my God, why do we continue to put ourselves in these positions? But the fact of the matter is, in the last three games, you are outscoring teams, and what is helping you do that is making crucial stops late. Now, that's why you lost the Penn State game. And as I look back on that, I, I continue to hope that we look back on Penn State as the crossroads game that had to happen to get this team right. In other words, did we sacrifice a potential Big Ten title in order to get the wake-up call they needed? I was hoping it would have come at Maryland or the at Michigan State game. You know, there was a three-week period where this team was starting to get frustrating because it's like, how many wake-up calls do you guys need that you got to do better defensively? Maybe the Penn State game was it. Maybe not defensively so much as we got to really be focused in the last five minutes of the game because that was what was costing this team. And really, the last five minutes of the last three games have been, I mean, can you ask for much more? They're closing these games out and they're doing so fairly effectively and efficiently. All right, a few mm-hmm. things here in the chat window. Uh, one second, let me get some coffee, everybody. All right, from Albert. Great win. I'm a little worried about Ty. Seems to be kind of doing the Dane thing from earlier in the year, trying to do everything in his minutes, just going too fast. I agree, Albert. I I think that Ty is maybe in a period of overthinking it, and that was evidenced against Minnesota when he'd get to the basket and then he'd kick it out. And I I like the idea, you know, as, as a guy that was named the point guard, though he hasn't really been the point guard in the last couple months. He... He is still finding ways to facilitate, and I appreciate that, but he's really good around the basket, so when he gets there, just take it up. I think it's just a matter, honestly, Albert, he's overthinking it. Um, You've been able to withstand that. You haven't really had a good tie game in the last three wins, right? He's been off maybe for the last few weeks, and it's not like he's a guy that will always stuff the stat sheet, but he is seemingly more or, or less effective than before. Yeah, I would agree with that, and that that is something to watch because when he's on, and what would be on for Ty? Great rebounding. Good defender, which I thought he was good yesterday def- defensively. And great around the rim. And I think he can do all those three things, and if he does in games that matter the most, you're that much more dangerous. You've fortunately been able to withstand that. All right, from Jacob. D looked better yesterday. Jacob, I felt the same way. I, I didn't have too many pull-my-hair-out moments watching it. There were a couple moments early in the second half, especially you were up seven, and then they immediately respond, and then they go up one, I think. And there were a couple layups that were just way too easy. Um, one where you just miscommunicated, and they just threw it in there. I think it was Blackwell that finished it. But I would agree, Jacob. I felt more comfortable watching the defense yesterday in a way that I haven't in some time. Oh, from uh, World964. Hey, Jay, from Pennsylvania. We got a listener or a viewer from Pennsylvania. Uh, just asking, curious on what you're teaching and what level. Uh, I'm a sixth grade middle school writing teacher. So uh, love it. Teacher in Champaign. And uh, it's a good age, too. I have a niece that's in fifth grade. So kind of getting to know that age group. They're uh, fun to work with. They are not too jaded. You get a little bit later in middle school, they're a little more jaded. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's my sixth year doing it. And I don't plan on switching 
to a different grade or anything like that. Maybe down the line, I'll want a different challenge and go to high school or something like that. But no, nah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's never boring. Never boring. I, I love the job though. I really do. This is from Andrew. It's, is it too early to talk about the potential of Marcus coming back next season? Is there any way he can? I thought he was a fifth-year player, and I'd have to check that, and this is his COVID year. But uh, if you know something that I don't, Andrew, wouldn't that be something? Marcus Damask, looking at his career here on Ken Palm. One, two, three, four, five. I mean, his second year at uh, Southern, he only played nine games, so I don't know if that would lead to a possible redshirt. But if you know something that I don't, Andrew, please let me know. A very low possibility, yeah. <laughs> Smitty, a Tiny Desk concert stream from down here? Or the actual Tiny Desk Studios? Um, we are going to get the band, get those mechanics rolling up here soon, and we'll start getting some gigs as the weather gets warmer. So, Yeah, and Jacob mentions that sophomore year and only playing nine games. I don't know what the possibility of it would be. I think that you try for it, but also you can't go into an offseason banking on that to work out. You know, it didn't bite Illinois when they, football, I mean, when they tried to get Tommy DeVito back. They still got Luke Altmaier, right? So that worked out fine. But I, I wonder what the possibility would be. Oh, my God, if you could bring him back, are you kidding me? That would be huge. That would be a huge boon for a team that next year, as far as offense, they got to go out and get a lot. Because what are we looking at next year? I mean, Morez Johnson, Amani Hansberry, and Ty, I would feel comfortable saying they're starters. Uh, but... If that's the case, you need two really good scores with them because Morez might be really good offensively, but he's going to be a freshman. And Imani Hansberry is going to be a really good four. And he's got confidence, so I think he'll be able to score. But boy, for the two and three positions, and if we're still calling Ty a, a, a one, I don't know if you are. You, you need scores. You do. So actually, I would prefer to move Ty to, let's say, the three get a shooting guard, and get a point guard. And your sales job would be pretty clear. Look at what we did last year. We turned Terrence Shannon into a first-round pick, which I'm sure he's playing his way back into that. Marcus Damask had a career year. Yeah, I think there's a lot for this team to sell with that. From Danielle, what incentive does he have to come back? Damask probably is an NBA player, but his stock is too high for a pro contract after this season. Uh, yeah, I... He's going to have a long pro career. It's not going to be NBA. His inability to defend, I think his overall lack of speed. He's going to have a long career in Europe or something like that, though, and, and be very successful at it. I, I just, and I don't mean that as a slight. I just don't think that he is necessarily a NBA guy because the thing that he is able to excel at in college basketball, the booty ball stuff, he is 6'6". He's got decent size, but in the NBA, he's going against guys who are 6'9", 6'10". I don't think that works. So he is really kind of a, he's a one-of-a-kind player. I, I can't think of a comp of a previous Illini player with Marcus Damask. I don't know who that would be. I can't think of a comp in terms of just Big Ten players. He really is his own kind of unicorn as far as what he's good at. And not only is he good at it, he's just freaking exceptional at it. So... I'm just enjoying the ride with him. Terrence, again, one of a kind as far as his ability to get to the basket. Coleman's kind of a unicorn himself. Listen, as we get into this last week of the season, it's about those three guys. Last week of the regular season. It's about those three guys. If they are playing well the next two games, I think you go 2-0. If you get 
A games from those three guys in the next two games, I think you go 2-0. and One and one is probably more likely, and I don't know which win or loss is more likely. I think both games are true toss-ups. I know that Tuesday night is going to be crazy at the State Farm Center, and as I sit here, I feel pretty confident about it because Purdue is not quite the same beast on the road, but Purdue is a national champion contender. They look the part, they play the part, they've had to wear that tag all year, and they only have three losses. They're very good. You know, yeah, Zach Eady can be frustrating because he's just so big, and that's a distinct advantage, but I don't know. The other players are pretty good, too. As I was talking with friends while gaming last night, you take Edie out of it, they're still a top-20 team, I think, with Braden Smith and Lance Jones and Fletcher Lawyer, who hit some shots yesterday after a pretty bad stretch, and then just a lot of good role players. I think they're still a top-20 team without Edie. I, is that crazy to say? I but does he change everything? Of course he does. Yes. And it can be really frustrating when you're on the other end of it. But I think one and one is a possibility this week. I think it's the most likely outcome. But if you go 2-0, then you're talking three seed, right? You're talking three seed in the NCAA tournament, which would be a big advantage because you would void that one seed if you make it to the second weekend. And that's what this is all about. So on one hand, would I like to see the future and know ahead of time? Yeah, I, I'd love to know, yeah, this team had the second weekend. And then, oh, what, what a load off that would be. On the other hand, we don't know how many games we have left. At a minimum, you have four. Two regular season, one Big Ten tournament, one NCAA tournament. At a minimum, you have four. I hope for a lot more than that. I think you'll have more than that. But I just want to enjoy the ride as we're as we're seeing it unfold, because this offense, we aren't going to see an offense like this. Brad Underwood, Brad Underwood's done a remarkable job building rosters and finding their different strengths and capitalizing on those for the most part. But this offense, we are not going to see something like this again. So just enjoy it and hopefully enjoy it for many more games. I guess the question as we, we end here and in the chat window for those that are there, how many more games do you think this team's going to play? As I said, the minimum the minimum is four. Okay, two regular season, one Big Ten tournament, one NCAA tournament. How many more games as we sit here on March third? Do you think this team is going to play before the season's over? And here's my prediction: as I sit here on March third, hmm, two regular season. I think you make it to Sunday in the Big Ten tournament, so that's three more. I think you make it to the second weekend. As I sit here right now. Proverbial gun to my head. I'm going to add three more. I, I, I'm counting eight more games this year. I'd love that. I, I don't want it to end. You know, we had a little period there where during the Iowa game, yeah, at halftime I tweeted, has the team ever gone from likable to unlikable this quickly? Because for about a two, three-week stretch, the annoyance turned to, I don't know if I like these guys anymore. Yeah, yeah, shut up, fanboy. And I get that. That's reactionary fan stuff, and that's what fans do. That's what I do. I'm not above that. But at the same time, this on the whole has been a really fun season. Yesterday was a big, big win in in so many levels because the quad won, but also just in terms of you look at every season in its totality, and you remember certain moments from it and certain games that especially left you feeling great. And this year, as fun as it has been, has oddly lacked a lot of marquee wins. The way the Big Ten has been this year, it hasn't really set up for you to get a lot of marquee wins. We had to go back to 
let's say Ford Atlantic, which they're struggling, of course. <laughs> the Bragg and Rights completely smoked them. By the way, Missouri has not won a game in 2024. They won the game after Bragg and Rights against Central Connecticut State or some BS team. They have not won since. Ofer in 24. Good Lord. Too bad, so sad. But yeah, this this season, if anything, had been lacking. Ah, yeah, that was that kind of thing. And even talking with friends last night that are maybe more casual, like, well, duh. I mean, because I'm a, I'm a freak about this. But a little more casual about it, and they, they don't ride as high or low as I do with losses. They were talking about how good that felt. And I was like, yes, it did. It really felt great yesterday. And part of the way we look back on seasons is the totality of it. Of course you remember how it ended. But in terms of the fondness with which you look back on it, you look at individual moments and how many can you hang your hat on. The Damas game against Wisconsin, just like the Damas game against Fort Atlantic, just like the Terrence List win against Michigan State at home, which that game was particularly fun. Hey, the Minnesota game in a weird way. We're never going to see a game like that again. And we have more opportunities for those kind of memorable wins this week and beyond. So I said eight games. And let's see here from Andrew. Oh, we'll get to the seed thing in a bit here. Jacob says nine more games. If we get the three seed, seven if we get a four seed. So Jacob, I'm presuming that you think nine would be, if we get a three seed, you think elite eight. And if we get a four seed, you're thinking losing in the second round. I do think it is pretty important to try and get a three seed. And that's why the Purdue game is so monumental because it's not just about avoiding the one in the second weekend. You just want to get to the second weekend. How many four or five matchups do you feel great about? Now, it could be where you play a trickier six than you do a five. And at that point, do seeds matter a whole lot? Maybe not. But I do think you increase your odds just moving up that seed line and probably playing just a slightly less tough team. And you might get a more advantageous spot. I know Indy, for example, has a first weekend NCAA site. From truthfully speaking, I say nine more games. I think this team can at least get to the Elite Eight, but of course it's about matchups. Elite shot-making guards have destroyed us this season. Back to matchups. As you said, they're truthfully speaking. We'll be watching this selection Sunday even more closely than before because if we find teams that don't necessarily have that dynamic guard, I'm going to feel pretty good. But then if we see a first-round matchup, and that's where as they're unfolding and Isaac and I are pouring through, oh, wait, we're playing who? Let's go to Ken Palm. Quick, to the Batmobile. Like, we're going to try to be figuring out as quickly as we can Who's this team? Who's their best player? You know, then, then you can start prognosticating things. Mm-hmm. From Smitty. Oh, this, I, he, this is in reference to Missouri not winning in 2024. As a St. Louis area fan inundated with Mizzou, journalist, fanboys, this pleases me. Isn't it nice? And let's see here. From Danielle, question about how we feel about the Big Ten tournament. What are you expecting? You're on the right side of the bracket, Danielle. Mm-hmm. I expect this team to get to Sunday. Uh, you know, the way the matchups are right now, I think you're looking at potentially, uh, you see, there's a lot to unfold. I can't even prognosticate yet, but the fact of the matter is he wouldn't play Purdue until Sunday. And I don't think there is a team that matches Illinois or Purdue in the big 10 neutral site. I like this Illinois team a lot. Um, and I know we only got two indications of that Florida Atlantic and Missouri, but I really like this team in neutral sites. I think that it will bode well for them. 
Uh, I don't need them to win the Big Ten tournament. And frankly, if it's a matter of getting some extra rest before the real tournament, that's fine too. But I don't know. They're capable of winning it. And there's nothing to say you can't win the Big Ten tournament and then go turn around and have success the next week. Um, I, I know it didn't end well in 21 when you won the Big Ten tournament and then you lost to Loyola, but I don't know if there's any correlation there. I know the team said that they were kind of sick of being holed up in Indy and it might have worn on them, but eh, I don't know. I, I'm i less concerned about that. Just win every game that's in front of you. What the hell? Go at 11-0 the rest of the year. Just go 11-0, win out, Big Ten tournament title, six games in the NCAA tournament. Just do it. I mean, here's the thing. They can, you know, I, 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 I can't say that about most Illini teams in my life. They can do that. I know that's a big if. So much has to go right. It's kind of laughable on its face. But if I asked you, can they win 11 in a row based on their elite ability to score? Yeah. I think they absolutely could. So, um... What the hell? We're, we're in a kind of fun position, I think, entering March. On one hand, there's the pressure of winning in the NCAA tournament. On the other, what the hell? Let's let it ride. Let's see what happens. I think the way this team has responded since Penn State has lessened some of the fears I might have had about them just being perpetual, like, oh, they can't close games out, right? That was as bad as it gets. And by responding the way they did against Iowa, against a red-hot Iowa team, which that, that win is looking better in retrospect. And then Minnesota, who for the last 30 minutes yesterday, whoa, they're still, they're, they're clicking too. Wisconsin, you got them when they were down, but they were desperate and you played like that and you, you controlled that game down the stretch. On a confidence level from one to 10 right now, I'm, I'm like at an eight. Knowing what the defense does not do great, but we have things that we can do that no other team can, or few other teams can. Literally the third best offense in the nation, the number one offense since February 1st. That's according to offensive efficiency, points per possession. We're making every possession count. And eventually, if you're the other team, you got to keep pace. And that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure on other teams to do that. So from our perspective, understandably, we freak out about a defense that is lacking, though there were improvements yesterday. But... If you're the other team, you better make your shots. You better not go cold. And I don't know. I mean, who, what, what team would you rather be rooting for, right? We'll see what happens. I'm just in a better place right now, and winning cures everything, as you know, three wins in a row, and recognizing they could go 0-2 this week. All right, then I won't feel as good. That's the roller coaster we ride. But I don't think they're going to go 0-2 this week. And as I sit here today, I feel a better than 50% chance to beat Purdue. Now, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to wake up Tuesday saying, yeah, we got this, because Purdue is a different kind of beast. But if you said right now, do you think they win? I think they do. I think they find a way to beat Purdue at home. I think it's a great bit of timing. I think the fact that there's not a Big Ten title necessarily on the line, not directly, but there's still that little carrot dangling on a stick. Like, if you do this and you do that, and then Purdue loses to Wisconsin, which they won't, then you could get a share. I like that it's not front and center. That takes some pressure off. You just go be- go beat these guys. They beat you for years straight. It's time to end that. Definitely claim that we're at least the second best team in the Big Ten, and it's not even close who's third, fourth, and fifth. 
Say we were the one team that could really compete with Purdue. You lost by five at Purdue. We know that most of that game, the margin was more than that, right? Purdue was just outright better than you. And even Terrence playing that game, I don't think would have made a difference at that point. But you're home. You're clicking offensively. Let's see what happens. It's going to be a high-level basketball game. It's going to be high-level. It's going to be exhilarating. You got two offenses that are just clicking at the highest possible gear. I think it's a really interesting matchup, just as it was in January, and that if everything goes right for Illinois, they can win uh, by a few possessions. I expect a close nip and tuck game throughout, though. And it just comes down to shot making and um, Zach freaking Eady. You know, that's that's the thing. But um, I still think you get it done. I don't know. In my heart of hearts, I think you get it done. All right, so... That's all I got for today. Um, I appreciate you guys joining me on a Sunday morning. Yeah, wouldn't normally do it this early, but what the heck. You know, woke up early, feeling great. And um, Tuesday's big. So here's the plan, I think. If Illinois wins Tuesday, I get the feeling that we'd have to do a post-game podcast, right? Make a cocktail, celebrate a victory. I think we'd have to. So if Illinois were to win Tuesday, then... Uh, plan on a post-game podcast, right? I think we should. If they don't, then we'll come back Wednesday, discuss it. And then we're getting into Sunday against Iowa. Then we're getting a Big Ten tournament. I mean, we're getting down to it. So um, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Before you leave the chat, before you leave the YouTube window, if you guys haven't already subscribed to our channel, it helps us kind of move up the YouTube algorithm. So if someone types in Illini, 200 level starts popping up. So if you can either like with that thumb, do two things, like that thumb there, and then subscribe to the 200 level channel. That is a big, big plus for us. Oh, from Jacob. God bless you, man. I gave up alcohol for Lent, but if they beat Purdue, I might join you. Wow. Now Lent, it's basically like a, a, a delayed dry January. Good on you. I've never tried dry January. I've never given up anything for Lent, but, uh, I could maybe afford to do so, but man, it's just like yesterday I was having my old fashioned in a cigar and I'm watching the Northwestern Iowa game and basking in the glow. I mean, come on. It's hard to beat, man. When Illinois gets a big win in basketball and when you get towards March, man, it's, you know, it's, it's special. And I'm hoping that this year can exercise some of the demons and at the same time, um, you know, give us some memories that we're going to keep for a long time. I think this team's capable. Well, I know this team is capable of it. And now it's just a question of what do they do? And that is the ride that we're going to be taking for the next month. Hopefully for an entire month. Wouldn't that be sweet? So as I sign out, quick reminder, we're going to be at Poor Brothers two weeks from today. That is Sunday, September, September, Sunday, March 17th for Selection Sunday. That's 5 o'clock that Sunday as they unveil the brackets. We'll be reacting, Isaac and myself. Going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to get back there. Got to thank DP Doe. Online at dpdoe.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. Online at brianismyguy.com. And Owen Builders, LLC. Online at owenbuildersllc.com. If you want to support the podcast, support our sponsors. Ratings and reviews always welcome on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And subscribing and liking our YouTube videos helps us move up that YouTube algorithmic chart. All right, everybody. Maybe see you Tuesday night. Fingers crossed. Would love to have a post-game celebratory podcast with everybody. And if so, that would be the biggest win for Illinois this year and the biggest win in some time. They can do it. Let's get it done. It is the 200 level. Level.